0: such good news. I want to thank the choir for that wonderful piece of music and reminder. And I want to thank you again for joining us. This day is the greatest day in the in the year. We celebrate the greatest event in history today. This is the day that God raised his son Jesus Christ from the dead, broke the powers of sin and death and evil. He began the creation of a new world inside a world that is dying and fading away. This is good news, he is risen. I came across a few old tombstones this week, some inscriptions that uh, sort of tickled me. One in Albany, New York by uh, this man, that said Harry Edsel Smith, 1903 to 1942, looked up the elevator shaft to see if the car was on the way down, it was. And then another in Burlington, Vermont that said, she lived with her husband 50 years, and died in the confident hope of a better life. And then my favorite from Key West, Florida, told you I was sick. Well, Easter is a day that we remember the words on our tombstones will not get the last word. Yes, disease will speak, divisions will speak, disaster will speak, but at the end of the day, it is God who gets the last word. There is no event in history that if true is greater than the event we celebrate today, nor an event that could make a greater difference in our lives or in the future of this planet than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it calls for a joyful response. By that I mean a, a response that takes a hold of this event and makes it a lived reality in our lives and in our world. You could summarize a response like that in just four words not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. From These words are taken from a letter that a man named Paul wrote in the first century. We find the whole phrase in Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. Let me read them for you. This man Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not I, but Christ. This is Paul's response. And it's this response that really changed his life and changed history. Jesus himself said, because I live, you also will live. That's John chapter 14, verse 19. How? How do we respond to a truth like that? How would you like to respond to a truth like that? What difference do you want his life to make in your life? Now, you may have spent your whole life in church, going to church, but there's something new for you today. Or you may never go to church. You may not even think of yourself as a religious person, but there's something new for you today as well. There is, in fact, such good news in this day that we want to remind one another of it, we want to give one another an opportunity to respond, to take the next step, whatever that is, for you in your life to respond to this good news. We've set up a Zoom call today uh, so that uh, those of you who want to respond to Jesus can have an opportunity to interact. I would like to interact with you, meet with you, uh, pray with you. We have a group of friendly people that would like to interact with your questions. I'll give you more information about that a little bit later. But you might be interested to know that this man, Paul, he had questions too. Notice his response. He says, not I. See, Paul had questions. Not I. If you ask him, Paul, who's got bomb-proof answers to life's big questions? Not I, he says. Not I. Not I, but Christ. That's his response. If he's speaking to God, he might say, not my thoughts, but yours, not my ways, but yours, not my truth, but yours. Now, if there is a God, anything like the the God that we see presented to us in the Bible, wouldn't it make sense that we would have a hard time understanding this God, that God would be full of surprises for us? His mind being so much greater than mine. We would expect that this God would not make sense to us at times, would not think what we think, would not agree with the things that we believe. But wouldn't it also make sense that this God would try to communicate to us? After all, we're told he loves us. So uh, questions are important to coming to know this God. And, And the most important a question today, is what actually happened on Easter Sunday? I mean, this is the, the question that faced Paul. Uh, by the way, no one faces into the reality of Easter Sunday without questions. No one does. And these questions actually help us. Paul encounters Easter not by overlooking the facts, but by pursuing them, by actually letting them confront him and persuade him. This is what I love about Paul. Paul. Nowhere is more important than to ask the question, what actually happened on Easter Sunday? Paul would have no Easter faith without a historic resurrection. He writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. We tend to think that we believe what we believe because we're born where we're born. We think that Uh, Maybe we're uh, Muslim or Hindu because we're born in Indonesia or India, but that's not true, not for Paul. Or we think we can invent our own spirituality by taking a little bit here and a little bit there, a bit of Buddhism, a bit of Catholicism. But for Paul, the question is, what's true? What is truth? What really happened? What really happened 2,000 years ago at the tomb of Jesus? Well, Paul's story helps us. It's helped me quite a bit. Do you know who this man was? He was one of the leading intellectuals of his day. He was the great Rabbi Saul of Tarsus. His upbringing, his theological training, his own experience, all of that told him that a man who's been dead and buried for three days does not come back to life. Especially a man who was hung on a tree, which, the Bible tells us, uh, was a sign of a cursing. So no, he refuses to believe what he might have considered this nonsense and pernicious nonsense about a man coming back from the dead. In fact, he tells us in Galatians 1.13, I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. He wasn't just a skeptic. He was actually arresting people and killing them if they claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. He holds on to the coats of a man named Stephen as people stone the first Christian martyr, all for saying he lives. But then something changes for Paul, uh, quite dramatic. He changes. He joins the very group that he has been persecuting. He starts to preach this good news. He travels around he plants churches he visits synagogues he writes letters he himself finds he's beaten he's jailed and ultimately he's killed all because he won't stop saying he lives how do we explain this well his own testimony is that he saw jesus risen from the dead just some three years later than the first appearance of jesus to other disciples Jesus comes bodily to Paul. He's traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus and there's a bright flash of light knocks him to the ground. And then a voice. He says, who are you, Lord? He knows it's God. And then the voice says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, you can't prove that Jesus rose from the dead. But the historical evidence, for those who pursue it with an open mind, is quite compelling. Let me share with you just a few facts that might help you. Fact number one, the testimony of women. I'm sorry to say that at that time, in that place, the testimony of women didn't count for much. It actually could not be used in a court of law. Women weren't believed or thought to be credible. And yet, all four biographies of Jesus tell us that the first people to see Jesus risen from the dead were women. You would never invent that. That would make no sense to invent in that time. So the testimony of women. Fact number two, the empty tomb. The religious authorities in Jesus' day, when they heard that Jesus was raised from the dead, said, spread a rumor that the body has been stolen. In In essence, they were conceding the fact that the tomb itself was empty. Fact number three, early documentation. We have preserved in the New Testament a creed that scholars now believe dates to within a few years of Jesus' resurrection, A.D. 34. And this creed asserts that there were 500 witnesses to the resurrection, presumably all of whom were alive at the time that was written, early documentation. And then a fourth fact, changed lives. Like Paul, I mean, his life just changed so dramatically. It's very hard to explain that without the substance of the resurrection. Or James, the brother of Jesus. Can, can you imagine what it would take for you to convince your brother that you were God? And there were so many others, uh, the 500 witnesses, the disciples who all gave their lives, many of whom gave their lives. They would have known that they were doing so for a lie if it weren't true. And then people of all nationalities throughout history. Pinchas lapide wrote, when these peasants, shepherds, and fishermen who betrayed and denied their master and then failed him miserably, suddenly could be changed overnight into a confident mission society, convinced of salvation and able to work with much more success after Easter than before Easter, then no vision or hallucination is sufficient to explain such a revolutionary transformation. If the defeated and depressed group of disciples overnight could change into a victorious movement of faith based only on auto-suggestion or self-deception without a fundamental faith experience, then this would be a greater miracle than the resurrection itself. In a purely logical analysis, the resurrection of Jesus is the lesser of two evils. For all those who seek a rational explanation of the worldwide consequences of that Easter faith, this is not written by a clergy person, this is written by a German historian and an Orthodox Jew, Questions and facts. Questions and facts. This is where Paul's response began. Not I, but Christ. In that response, there's a ring of curiosity. I wonder. There's a ring of discovery. I'm learning. They imply a kind of eager intellectual humility and an ongoing pursuit of the truth wherever it leads, And Paul had an openness to God in all of this. I think it's because he spent so much time wrestling with God's written word that when he came face-to-face with God's living word, he recognized him. He knew who he was. Jesus says, seek and you will find. He's a teacher. He welcomes our questions. Paul had questions. But he also had faith. But Christ... Paul says, but Christ. See, Paul has faith. Yes, I hear the voices, he might say, of disease, of division, of disaster, speaking in my life and in my world, but Christ. Not I, but Christ, he says. But it is Christ who lives in me. These are words that rang with Easter. He lives. And the words of Jesus. Because I live, he said, you also Will live. So we ask a good question who? Who is this one who says, I live? Dorothy Sayers reminds us that if he's just God, his immortality really is of no importance to us. If he's just man, his death means no more to us than your death or mine would mean. Who is this one who says, I live, who? Well, Paul describes him in two ways here in this little verse, Christ he says. Paul uses the word Christ and it took me a long time in my life to realize this is not actually Jesus' last name but a role. The Hebrew scriptures had taught that God had appointed one human kingdom, Israel, through whom would come a king one day who would bring God's kingdom to all people, And he would be called the Christ or the Messiah. Both of those terms mean the anointed one. A human king bringing God's kingdom, Christ. The other description we have here in Paul's words is the son of God. He says that, the son of God. He's not just human, but he's also God. Let me, for those of you who are new to Jesus, just give a really quick review of of his life. He was born to a virgin girl in Israel. It was miraculous birth in the first century. And then he was noted for his teaching. He had a beautiful way of teaching and he taught about this kingdom. It was a kingdom of, of love and peace and justice. And he also did miracles, many miracles, mostly healings to, to show what that kingdom looked like in people's lives. And then he died on a cross for the forgiveness of sin he teaches us and on the third day he rose again from the dead he loved us this is the son of god who loved us paul says and who gave himself for us remember the words of isaiah the prophet in the eighth century 800 years before jesus was born he seemed to anticipate Jesus when he writes, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. Who is this one who lives? He is the Christ, the King who comes to bring a kingdom and set the world right. He is the son of God who loves you. He's the son of God who gave his life for you. Jesus says to us, I live. And what he means is, I live to give my divine life fully in love for you. I live I live to lift up my human life fully in service to God. I did not want to be the Son of God without you, so I poured my self out in love. I became what you are, born in the likeness of sinful flesh, weak, tempted in every way, exhausted. I know what it's like to experience shame. I became like you as a criminal under the sentence of death, so that by my dying I can cancel and obliterate your own death. And the chaos of this fallen creation. I live for the redemption of your life. For your salvation. For your healing. For your joy. For your holiness. For your resurrection. And your own victory over death. I live to make a place for you in my father's house. I live to make all things new. I live to create a new world, a world in which all will be well, all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. As Paul takes this in, he can't help but feel faith rising within him. Faith, not I, but Christ. Faith, the Bible tells us, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is not taking yourself as seriously as you take another. Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles and the chief of sinners. He's not putting himself down. He's actually lifting himself up on the promise of another. Not I, but Christ. He puts his faith in another. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, he tells us. And he writes, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. He's put his faith in Jesus. He has this assurance and this conviction that comes from trusting the promise of another. Not I, but Christ. He's freely surrendering himself. He's notice how in, implicit in that. He's freely giving himself to Jesus. It, it's a little bit like, we, we, we use the phrase falling in love. In a recent interview, I heard an author say, we never say rising in love because there's a sense of giving yourself freely to the one who loves you and, and whom you love. But he is actually rising in love. As he does this, he, he, he finds a sort of sweet forgetfulness of self and a new self rising with Jesus Christ. And, 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 and this is faith. Because I live... You also will live. Jesus has made that promise to you. Brothers and sisters, today is Easter. He is risen. How will you respond? I'm reminded of a young man one Easter Sunday who went to church. He hadn't been there in a long time. He was a long ways from home and it was a a strange church. The preacher went on too long, and sometimes that happens, and seemed to him rather silly. He stood in the back of the room under the shadows. But as the preacher talked about Jesus and then invited people to come forward who wanted to say yes to Jesus, this young man couldn't resist. There was something rising inside of him. He didn't come for the preacher. He didn't come for himself. He came for Jesus. Something about Jesus was drawing him. If we were together today, you might come forward as well. But we can't do that and instead I want to invite you to come to a website and to join me on a Zoom call. The, the address is upc.org Jesus and if you click the button pray with someone now this will take you right into a Zoom room and you'll meet Pastor Tim Snow who uh, will welcome you and who will introduce you to one of our spiritual advisors and put you in a little bit of a separate Zoom room just for a moment so you can be private with that advisor and they want to get to know you, hear some of your questions, take some contact information, pray with you and then send you some resources that will help you grow in faith in Jesus Christ. And I'd like to meet you there too and pray with you. I'll be coming in a little bit but the Zoom room is open now. It's not too early to come. You won't miss anything. Come if you're ready to say, not I but Christ this is what faith is the biblical language of faith is the same as the language for belief or trust trust the word of another like promises that Jesus makes Jesus says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life it can be ours by believing that promise Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus promises that to you. And he says on Easter Sunday, why do you look for the living among the dead? Look to me, he says. We do have to respond. We do have to choose. We choose the when of our living and the who of our living. The choice is yours. Think about Paul. There's a, a when. When do you die? Paul seems to be living his life on the other side of the tombstone here in this verse. I have been crucified with Christ. <laughs> Not literally, but when Christ died, he died. When Christ rises, he rises. He, he lives his life on the other side of Easter Sunday. His death is behind him because he has placed his trust in Jesus Christ. He believes the promise. Our death is ahead of us until we die. Make that same decision and say yes to Jesus. There's a decision of when. There's also a decision of who. Who lives? Not Christ, but I, is the way so many of us live. Not Christ, but I. Not Christ living for me. Not life living in me. But I choose to live my own life. Oh, yes, I've, I've heard about the resurrection. Oh, yes, I might even believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But I'm going to try to fix my own life. I'm going to try to make things right myself. Fix this world myself. Oh, friends, there's no good news in that. That's good advice. And people think this book is just about good advice. It's not. It's the declaration in written form of good news. Christ lives, and because he lives, we live. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done for us and in us. Paul seems to assume now that his life is the sphere and locus of resurrection power as he surrenders to this love, as he gives himself to Jesus. Friends, this is what we need. It's what the world needs. They don't need more of us. They don't need more Christians. They need Jesus living out his love in people, in people like you and me. Well, maybe something is happening inside of you as you think about the resurrection of Jesus today. Let's call it faith. Maybe a little tiny root of belief, an assurance, a growing conviction that you've not been left alone with your life, but that God loves you and that Jesus lives. Please come to upc.org Jesus and respond. People are starting to come right now. I hope you'll be among them. In fact, I would like to invite everyone, would you pull out your phone right now? Pull out a a second device, a a second tab or your phone. I'd like everybody to participate in this. Pull out your phone and go right now to upc.org slash Jesus and you'll find two buttons are there. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, as I say, press the pray with someone button. But everyone else, I'd like you to press the other button which says connect card. Uh, This will allow you to respond in your way. And you may not be ready to say yes to Jesus and that's okay. Uh, you, You... may have known Jesus for years and what you want is to go deeper with him and have more of him in your life there are different boxes you can check in fact there's a place where you can write a note and just say hi George and let me know that I'm not worshiping alone today it would mean so much to me so if everybody could go now to upc.org slash Jesus and press one of those two buttons and just participate actively in this moment of worship on Easter Sunday You know, if you put something in the chat that says uh, you're committing your life to Jesus, we will rejoice with you, but we really do want to talk with you and pray with you. It's so important. Um, If you're like me, you're just going to sit on your hands, too embarrassed to do it, but don't be like me. Be like this young man and come and, and respond joyfully. Not I, but Christ. Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Faith is a public reality. So please come and tell someone about your faith. Many, many, over the last several months, many people have come to faith in Jesus this way. Jesus seems to be doing a wonderful new thing here at UPC and in our lives. And we want you to experience that and be part of it. He lives. Let's all respond joyfully just as St. Paul did. Not I, but Christ. Wouldn't that be a great thing to put on your tombstone? There's no one here. Because Christ lives, I lived as well. And God always gets the last word. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Let's pray. Jesus, we cannot see you with our eyes, but we have the assurance and the conviction of things not seen. We have the promise of your written word. We have the testimony of believers throughout the generations and around the world who say, you can be trusted. You're real and you're here right now. Thank you for this. Fill our hearts with joy. Help us to share the good news and believe it fully. In Christ's name we pray, amen.